The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome in to Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. Verderam, how are you? I'm great. I am uh, finally not feeling like I'm going to die. So that, that's a step forward after a week of the flu. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You look good, though. The the flu, I think you you just, you, you know, you lose a couple pounds. You're in shape. You're glowing now. It's a good diet. When I had the flu, I lost 15 pounds. And I'm sitting, well, I... I shouldn't probably lose 15 pounds, but when I did, I felt pretty good. I felt in shape afterwards. I definitely didn't lose 15 pounds, um, but <laughs> I, I, like, it, you just don't want to do anything. So on one hand, like, I'm not getting any exercise. But on the other hand, like, I, I ate pretty much nothing for a week and a half. So, um, yeah, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I bounce back. Um, I feel pretty good. My, my, I don't even, I guess you call it a rant. On Russell Wilson, uh, that we did on the uh, Arrowhead Attic podcast here, then his co- on his contract has apparently gone viral on TikTok, and so that that's been that's been fun. We're approaching, uh, I think we're up, I don't know, like six hundred thousand views, something like that. <laughs> so that's been fun. Um, I enjoy that. I actually had a friend of mine text me out of nowhere. He's like, I just saw your random video, of Russell Wilson popped up on my feed. I'm like, oh, all right, good. Um, but. Things are good. Things are good. We're now we're you know we're done with with November football. We're going to December football, and uh, we're kicking. I honestly, I think this is the best week of football that we've had yet in terms of the games and the matchups. And I, I think this is probably the best week there's been to, to date. Let's get into that. I, I will talk about my almost getting stabbed at a bar in Southern Indiana at the end of the show. Really well, set this you went, up. Come you on. went to a bar in Southern in Southern. Yeah, come on. What, what was I expecting? That's on me. That's on me. But what's not on me is you mentioned the big week in the NFL ahead. Chiefs, Bengals, Eagles, Titans, Bills, Pats, Dolphins, Niners. We're going to hit on each one of these games. But which one to you is the most intriguing? I think from a from a standing standpoint, you can make a case for Bills, Pats because it's a divisional game. I think the most interesting game in some ways is Miami and San Francisco. I mean, and by the way, the one, we didn't even mention the Jets and the Vikings, which is also a really important game. Um, and Washington and, and, the, and the Giants. So there's a lot of them. But I, I'd say I'd say probably, probably the Dolphins and the Niners. I, I mean, just because the Dolphins now, like this is like, look, they are at what, eight and three, and they're trying to win over any other doubters out there. This is a big opportunity to do it. You know, you go on the road for the next three if you're Miami. It is the Niners, the Chargers, the Bills in a row. So you've got a lot to, to, to handle in the next three weeks if you're Miami. I think the other one has to be Kansas City and Cincinnati, though. Like, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say Miami and San Francisco because I think those two teams, there's more to prove for both those teams. 
But the best game, like just a game, if you said you can only watch one of them, I think it's Kansas City and Cincinnati because I think those two teams are both Super Bowl-level teams. Yeah, let's start with Chiefs-Bengals because I'm with you. This is the most fun game. Although, let's give the NFL credit. They just put up, what, 12 straight weeks of mostly bad matchups, not some great right. football games. Waiting they put up all for Week 13. Yep. Week 13's the week. But let's start with Chiefs-Bengals. Obviously, the Chiefs, they've had this game circled. The Bengals have had their number the past, I guess, the last season, right? But I think this is going to be a different game for both teams. The Chiefs have focused less on forcing turnovers, which in turn has not given up as many big plays. I don't expect Jamar Chase to go off, which, by the way, Jamar Chase expected to be back. Of course, he would come back this game against Kansas City. Only makes sense. And then as far as Cincinnati goes, after a slow start, they've really picked it up. I was one of the people who said they were going to have a down year this year, at least not the what happened last year wasn't going to continue. They're going to be a good team, but not a Super Bowl contender. If they beat Kansas City, they are firmly entrenched in the Super Bowl conversation at that point. Oh, listen, I I picked them to win the division before the year started. I I believe in them because I believe in Burrow and I believe in their weapons. and, And I think defensively they're underrated. This is one of those games to me where the result is going to be taken and run with no matter how this game plays out. Like, if the Chiefs lose this game, no matter how they lose, the narrative is going to be they can't beat the Bengals. And if the Bengals lose, it's going to be, well, are they really contenders? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they really are either way. Um, And, yeah, if the Chiefs lose, I guess it's a little bit fair to say the Bengals have their number at some point. They'll win one or three games with Pearl Mahomes. I would say this. I think the biggest thing out of this is for both teams' standings, right? I mean, for the Bengals, you're tied for first in the AFC North. You are you got a, a gift from Baltimore last weekend, so now you're, you're even up. If you're Kansas City, I understand there are five games left after this. If you're Kansas City, you're looking at the one seed if you win this game. I mean, there is just there's nobody that should beat you the rest of the way. I understand it could happen, but you would need a, a meltdown to lose one of those last five games. So – if you're the Chiefs, you're looking at this, A, you want redemption, and B, you you want that number one seed. And look, they get sit there all day long and say, ah, it's one at a time, one at a time. Bullshit. They know how important this game is. I think it's half the reason they looked as crappy as they did against the Rams. So, big game. It's a But all these games are big games. The Pats are playing for their lives against Buffalo. The Dolphins are something to prove. The Niners are trying to pull away in the NFC West. You know, the Giants and the Commanders, I mean, whoever wins that game is in great shape for the playoffs. Whoever loses is in tough shape. Um, you know, I mean, you go on down the line, the Jets are trying to get a, a, a big road win. Minnesota's trying to keep tabs on Philly. So there's, I mean, there's just a lot of really good games, a lot of really good games this week. Let's get into the Eagles Titans game. Cause I think this is going to be a fun one here. Jalen Hurts, he's not the MVP. Mahomes has fully taken over that race, but the Eagles still look good. They're still finding ways to win games. They're running the ball extremely effectively with anyone they put back there, whether it's yeah. Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, uh, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard's still out. That's going to be a huge, uh, huge return whenever Dallas Goddard retakes the field. But they play, or they play the Titans, a very physical team, a team that I think could give the Eagles some trouble. How do you think this matchup either helps, hurts the Eagles or Titans here? I think it's an interesting game. I, I like the Eagles. Look, the Eagles to me are the most underrated team in a weird way in the league this year. Like, I don't understand why people doubt them and don't think they're good. 
Like, I, I don't I don't get it. And if I have to hear one more person say to me, well, you know, they're scheduled. Okay, they're beating the piss out of one bad team after the next. Like, does it ever matter that they're just winning all these games? I, and and, and th- there's been these comparisons of, like, Pittsburgh from a couple of years ago. Listen, I, I, I was the leader of that bandwagon who was like, they stink. That Steelers team is not good. This team is not that. This team is a real quarterback. They're good on both sides of the ball. Like, I absolutely think Philadelphia can win the Super Bowl. I, I, I do not subscribe to this idea. They can't. The Titans, I'll tell you one thing. I, I, put me down for every A.J. Brown prop bet in the world in this game. Like, the Titans are awful against the pass. And A.J. Brown's going to want to go nuts. I think he's going to be a difference in the game. I think he's going to go for like a buck 50 and a touchdown or two. I really do. Like I, Tennessee is also better than people think. But Philadelphia, to me, is just in a different class. Do you think Traylon Burks is starting to get it going for the Tennessee Titans? Because it seems like he's starting to finally emerge after an extremely uh, slow start to the season. Robert Woods, he's not a wide receiver one. We know that's the biggest weakness of the Tennessee Titans. Are you seeing something from Traylon Burks that makes you believe, all right, if they keep getting this connection with Ryan Tannehill, they might be more dangerous, more explosive than we're giving him credit for? Yeah, I mean, Burks has played well since he's come off IR. Um, and they're going to need him to. They need him to be that downfield threat because Tennessee, look, this is the one concern I have, and everybody has with Tennessee, is can you get an explosive play if it's not Derrick Henry just breaking off one run a game? Like, can you do it? You know, I watched that whole Bengals-Titans game in the early window last week, and, like, the, the problem Tennessee had late in the game was Tennessee, it was like third and 12, and they just threw a cl- like a little slip screen and just accepted kicking a field goal with, like, five minutes to go in the game. You're like, bro, you're down a touchdown. You're in the red zone. It's 2013. But I get why Vrabel did it, because you're like, well, they, they can't get big plays. If you ask Tannehill to make that play, he's going to throw a pick. So I get it. But, yeah, I think Burks is at least a guy who you, you maybe look at. And, it, and I hate to say it, but his name's escaping me. The rookie tight end is actually pretty interesting. Um. But they they still are what they are. They're going to run the ball, and they're, they're going to live and die with Henry running and that defense making some plays. And that's why they're limited. But they're also really well coached, and they know who they are, and that makes them dangerous enough that they can win any you know one-off game. Bills, Patriots, this has been a very fun matchup to watch over the past couple seasons, ever since Josh Allen, you know, basically got to Buffalo. We know about the game where Mac Jones threw, what was it, three passes? And they the Patriots yeah. were able to come away with a victory. Should be a little different this time, not expecting that much snow, that much inclement weather here. But right. the Patriots are fighting for their playoff lives right now. They're right now sitting as the eighth seed on the outside looking in. Buffalo obviously trying to win the division. This is a big game for them. How does this one play out with Bill Belichick basically back up against the wall? So this game really interests me. It's a Thursday night game for those unaware. It's in Foxborough. Um, The Bills are beat up to all hell on defense. Like they're really, I mean, Von Miller, look, he's going to be out for the game. Rousseau's, I believe, likely out for the game. He's been, he's been week to week. Um, you know, Milano and Edmonds, they may play, but they've been beat up. You know, Milano, I'm thinking, will play. Edmonds may play, but they've been beat up. Obviously, no hide. Tredavious White came back last week. He played very little. If I'm New England, I am just pounding the ball at them. 
I am running it and running it and running. Like, I don't care if they know I'm running it. I'd put a sixth offensive lineman in there. Like, I would just run the ball at them. And the other question is, like, what's going on with Allen? I mean, I know, obviously, it's it's partially he's got he's got the elbow here, but he's not been good the last few weeks. Like, there's, there's just no sugarcoating it at this point. He has not played. And by good, I mean by his standards. Mm-hmm. He has not been up to standard for him these last couple of weeks. You know, against the Lions, he missed a lot of throws in that game. Like, fairly easy throws. He just missed. You know, he was 24-42. All right. I mean, you know, with a pick. Week before that, 18 to 27 for a buck 97. You know, the, the three weeks prior to that, all three of those games, two picks apiece. Like, he's not had a really good game since the Chiefs game. Like, that's the last game where he really played well. Other than that, like, he's, he's either thrown picks or he's been inaccurate or a combination of the two. So you just wonder in this game, like, what are you getting? I think this game is going to be close. I don't know that I think the Pats are going to win it. I I could see them winning it. But if they can run the ball effectively, they're going to be a problem for Buffalo. Because defensively, I think they match up with them. The corners have been good this year. You know Belichick's going to have some kind of a scheme that gives them some issues. I I think New England's going to be in this game right down to the end. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Let's get into the final big game that we're going to talk about, at least. Dolphins, Niners. We mentioned it briefly at the top. You've been big on the Niners in the NFC for a while now. They're rewarding your your, your little prediction there. They're starting to get everything going. And this is without Christian McCaffrey making a big impact. Right. Uh, Elijah Mitchell probably going to be out for at least, what, four-plus games? Six to eight weeks. Six to eight weeks. 
but they're still finding ways to get it done. And then on the other side, Miami, they've had some big wins, but they're still detractors, mostly based on Tua Tugavaloa as well as that defense. I think Tua deserves more credit, but that defense, we've talked about it. They don't deserve any credit. They've struggled. No, they stay. But how does this game play out, and what are some of the interesting matchups you're looking forward to? Well, my in, the interesting matchup really is when Miami has the ball because San Francisco's defense is no joke. I mean, that that is a great defense. And Miami's offense has been just a buzzsaw. The question here, and I know Dolphins fans are sick of hearing this, and it's, it's fair that they're sick of hearing it, but the question remains valid. What happens when the Dolphins play a really good defensive team this year? Because it really has not happened very much. The Dolphins played New England, good defense, scored 20 points. Played Baltimore, Baltimore's defense stinks. Played Buffalo's defense, scored 21 points. Then, look, you throw out the Cincinnati, New York, Minnesota games because they, they weren't healthy. They didn't have a quarterback. They played Pittsburgh. They scored 16 points. It, their offense has exploded these last four weeks. 31 against Detroit, 35 against Chicago, 39 against Cleveland, 30 against Houston. Those are four of the worst defenses in the NFL. You now are playing an Niners team that is going to give no quarter. I mean, they, they're coming for blood. Miami's offensive line is mediocre, I think is a fair way to put it. What is it going to look like against San Francisco this weekend? Because San Francisco, look, they know Mike McDaniel. They know. I mean, they're basically playing themselves in this game. I mean, they know what they're looking at. That's the fascinating part. I was like, these teams know each other so well because of the coaching staffs. I am very curious to see in this game, what does this look like if it's not perfect and easy on offense for Miami? Because I don't think it's going to be. Like, this is going to be a game where San Francisco is really going to challenge them. Now, if they don't, and Miami puts up a 30 spot on them, then I think all questions have been answered. But I, I'm very curious to see in this game, this is the first real test Miami's had with Tua healthy since Buffalo. And they won that game, but their offense was hideous. What is this going to be? I'm fascinated to see it. The Jeff Wilson Jr. return game. Yeah, the revenge they game. Him right now, by the way. I, by the oh, way, nice Jeff Wilson Jr., all he's done in San Francisco was be a good backup. They yep. trade him, and he's having a very – honestly, he's taken over RB1 in Miami. By the way, I'm very excited. Chevarius Ward, Tyreek Hill. Could be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. I like the physicality that Chevarius Ward can bring. Uh, let's look into the future, number one. Pick one. Jets, Pats. Chargers. So this goes off the theory that if you look at the AFC playoff picture, you are getting in some order, forget the seats for a second, some order, the Bengals and the Ravens are making the playoffs. Chiefs, Titans, Bills, Dolphins, six. Now, you could argue the Bengals because the Bengals are 7-4. and four. The schedule's really hard. I just have a hard time seeing them not make the playoffs. So that would leave one spot. That leaves the Jets and the Pats and the Chargers. Now, the downside, if you want to go with the Jets, is the Pats have beaten them twice. However, the Jets are ahead of the Pats. The Chargers are a game back of the Jets, and there's obviously a bunch of ways that tiebreaker could go because they don't play each other head-to-head. 
I'm going to say I think the Jets find a way to get in the playoffs. And, and that's a change for me because I've been on the Chargers, but I I have very, been very uneasily on the Chargers because they're the Chargers. But I, I just can't do it, man. I mean, you watch that Cardinals game, and it, the Chargers are just every possible imaginable thing to, to lose a game like they do it. And I know they won. Like, I get it. But, it, like, the Cardinals are, like, actively trying to lose games. Like, they're just beating themselves or quitting. Murray's throwing the coach under the bike. It's just – and, like, they, the Chargers needed a borderline miracle to win that game. I, I, I'm out of this. I just can't. You Because you know what? Everybody's and, – and, and I'm the I'm included in this. Everybody points to the Chargers' remaining schedule. And they're like, oh, look at these games. The Chargers are absolutely going to blow at least two of these games. Like, just two – asinine, ridiculous, how in God's name could you lose that game type of game? Like, they will lose to the Colts. Like, that. Like they'll lose to the Raiders this weekend. Like, they'll just they'll lose. So, uh, give me the Jets. The Jets have the best defense, I would say, of the bunch. The Patriots, I think, have the worst overall roster. I really don't believe in the New England Patriots. I think Bill Belichick's done a great job with what he's been tasked to work with, which kind of on him. But he's doing a fine job with what, he's, what he has. That's the worst roster, in my opinion. The Jets defense, while it's legit, they're asked to do so much. How long can that continue? Mike White had a great game for Zach Wilson, right? He did have a good game. Zach Wilson, uh, although Zach Wilson might be the best Wilson as far as quarterbacks go. He might be. Better than Russell. But how long does this Mike White, you know, fun story continue? you got to put up more than 10 points eventually. The Jets' defense can't hold this long. The Chargers have the best quarterback. Justin Herbert is far and away the best quarterback in this grouping. They've been banged up a lot. Are they the Chargers? Yes. I always like to say they've changed head coaches. They've changed quarterbacks. They've changed cities. They still find ways to choke. But they're the most talented top-to-bottom roster of these three. I got to go with the Chargers just based on the talent alone. All right, so you're going with the Chargers. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers. Okay. So over at 538, I enjoy looking at their model. Uh, they have the Jets. They have So they have the Jets at 53%. They have the Chargers at 41% and the Pats at 37% to make the playoffs. Um, the other teams we mentioned, they have them all comfortably in the playoffs. I just – I just can't get there with the, with the – the Chargers mentally. I, I they are certainly the most talented team, but I you just watch them. Like, my God, you can't put away the Cardinals. Like, it's just it's a brawl to end all brawls for that team to find a way to beat Arizona. I, I but, but the Jets are the same way that every single Jets game for the most part, right, for the most right, part, right. I, they won what 31 to 10, whatever it was. But yes, but, I'm not expecting the Mike White situation to continue. Sure. And I don't I'm not arguing that, but I I guess what I would say is, like, I expect the Jets – I expect for it to be harder for them. Like, they're not as talented. They're young. Like, they're they're learning. Can the fucking Chargers ever just show up and win one game? I've never seen a team that is just – like, every week it's just below standard, can't quite get going. The same issues every game. I mean, James Conner's running for a million yards. Like, they just can't get off the field. They only won that game because the Cardinals are the Cardinals and just fell apart in the fourth quarter. I'll tell you right now. I know we're not going to talk about the game. The Raiders are going to beat them this weekend. You watch. 
The Raiders 100% are going to beat the Chargers this week. I don't even care if Jacobs plays. I really don't. It won't matter. They'll just put the next guy in. He'll run for 200 yards. Like it, The Chargers w- will somehow turn the Raiders' defense into something respectable, and they'll lose to them. That, that'll be the week Chandler Jones is like five sacks. Like They'll just, they'll just they'll fall apart. Was that two-point conversion, in your mind, a desperation move, a, a move from a coach who knows that seat is toasty? That seat's warm. You have to beat the Cardinals. If you don't, end of the year, you might be getting canned. Was that two-point conversion in your mind a, hey, we got to get this uh, – find a way to, to run here? Um, I think it was the right call, if I'm being honest. I, I think they probably figured that the Cardinals defense stinks and we need two yards and let's go for it. Um, But, yeah, there's desperation to – and, by the way, like another game with Justin Herbert, 47 pass attempts. 274 yards, 5.8 yards in attempt. Like, I, I really, man, I'm telling you, like, it's just from a football, just an analyst or even a fan's perspective, that team is to the eyes what Pepto-Bismol is to the tongue. Like, it is just, oh, my God. Like, it's just painful to watch that team play football. Yeah, I think they were desperate. Um and I think I think they're to a point where they ought to be. They ought to be desperate. They're, they're, their expectations should be to win 10 or 11 games every year easily, and they can't do it. Speaking of desperation, let's look into the future number two. Who survives until 2023? Cliff, Kyler, neither, or both? So I'm going to say both because Bidwell's cheap. So everybody forgets about this when they talk about, oh, I am fire everybody. Like, No, I don't think they are. They just extended Steve Kahn, the GM. They extended Cliff, King- Cliff Kingsbury this offseason and Murray. You're going to tell me that Michael Bidwell, who's not exactly known for just dropping $100 bills out of his pocket and not bending down to pick him up here, like you're telling me that he's going to fire Kingsbury and eat year upon year upon year of that contract? I don't think so. I don't think he's doing that. So I think Kingsbury's there, man. And they can't get rid of Kyler. He ain't, he's going nowhere. This is the most predictable disaster in the league. Like, the, the Broncos is a worse disaster at the moment. But, like, the Broncos, I'll leave, I will say this for Denver. I don't think anybody thought it would be this bad. Like, there were certainly some people who thought like, they'd miss the playoffs. It would, but, but I don't think anybody thought we'd be sitting here talking about, oh, my God, like this is the worst trade in NFL history. The Cardinals, I was at the Combine when they extended Kingsbury, and people were, like, literally in bars laughing about the con- – like, like, and I, I mean, like, NFL people, like, real people. Like, it was like, can you believe they extended this guy? It was almost like they did it out of spite to Murray – because Murray wanted the extension. They were going back and forth. It was almost like, well, we'll show you, so we'll extend everybody in the building but you. I, I mean, there's just no reason. There was no reason to extend Cliff Kingsbury. And frankly, there was no reason to extend Kyler Murray. Like, and then you get these people who always love to be like pro player when, when, that, when that clause in the contract came out. Like, I can't believe they put it in there. I can. I can believe it. And I got to tell you something. When I ask people around the league about that clause, I got almost 
universally two simultaneous responses out of people. Never seen anything like it. Not surprised. Take that for what you will. I, look, I, I, I'll leave it at that without adding extra comment, but there were a lot of people in the league who I spoke to after that deal well into double digits who all said, I've never seen anything like that in the contract. I'm not surprised it's in this contract. And here you are at the Cardinals, or what are, what are they, four and eight, and just stink. I think both survive this year for the reasons you've laid out. The contracts, it also looks horrendous if after you just gave these two guys a right. long-term extension, you can them. You're basically saying if you don't have success in one year, you're gone. I think the Cardinals know this is more of a – it's still a building season. They, they weren't necessarily in contention for this Super Bowl. They should have made the playoffs. That was the goal. They've obviously fell well short of that. But who else do you go to? I think Cliff Kingsbury is an easier answer, but you mentioned the Cardinals, you know, ownership being relatively cheap. Who do you go to from Kyler? Kyler Murray is a easy top 20, top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Yep. The talent is still you, – you see it in bursts, right? You see sometimes Kyler Murray makes a play. You go, wow, only a handful of quarterbacks can make that. He's still young. He's he's basically – the talent's here, but he also has the mindset of Zach Wilson. He throws his, his quarterback – or he throws his head coach under the bus. He doesn't take ownership. It just seems like a young guy who still needs to get his head on the right track. You know what? Like- Let's just call it like at some point. Is it more than that with him? Like you see a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL. You don't see too many guys, especially guys who have gotten taken care of by their organizations who just can't seem to be a team guy to get the job done. Like, and I'm not look, I don't know Kyler Murray personally. I'm not sitting here telling you he's a bad dude. I'm not none of that. I'm just saying from a team perspective, he does not come off as a good teammate. He comes off selfish. Maybe he's not that. Maybe in the building, some would say differently. But he comes off as a guy who's about him. And quite honestly, when you watch them. That kind of shows through. I mean, they they are a team that should be talented enough to at least compete in the NFC for a playoff spot. I'm not saying they should win a Super Bowl. They're not that team. But could they could they be 500 or so in the NFC in that division? You would think yes, right? You think like they should be able – they look dead in the water. And I also think it's interesting, like when Colt McCoy was starting for them for a few games – you you saw no shortage of people coming out of the woodwork like, hey, you ought to be the starter. I mean, there were columns in the local paper about that, and those people are as close to that team as anybody. Like, I wouldn't go that far, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Larry Fitzgerald on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago who had every opportunity to defend Kyler Murray, never tried to. I mean, how many players have you heard come out and really take up for Murray this year? I can't think of one guy. Can't think of one. His own coach doesn't do it. (laughs) Like, 
So it's at some point here, and I'm I'm not, believe me, if you've listened to this podcast all year, I'm not defending Cliff Kingsbury. But, like, I'm just saying you're nobody come out and defend Kingsbury as a coach. Nobody. And you're nobody come out and defend the quarterback. Like, if you can't get that right, you got big problems. And the Cardinals have big problems. I would say that other than the Broncos, I think it might be the worst situation in the NFL. Well, let's go to it. Into the future, number three. One disaster to the next. Does Denver ever get this figured out with Russell Wilson? So I was thinking about this because, like, obviously I did that that rant when I was basically on Theraflu and was just trying to get through the podcast. And apparently I should just do it more often. Um, I, I started thinking about, like, realistically speaking, he's got this year and at minimum three more years on his deal. Do they figure it out in that time? I got to tell you, man, I don't think they do. I'm not saying it doesn't ever get better than what it is right now. Like, I don't know that they're this level of hellscape for the next three years. But, like, by my definition of figuring out, that's are you a playoff team? Are you a, are you a team that can compete in the division? I, I don't even think they approach that. I just don't. Like, maybe you have a year where you have a last-place schedule and you just you, – you, you bumble F around to eight wins or something. But, like, can you really see Russell Wilson ever being a top 12 to 15 quarterback again? I, I can't. And if I can't see that, then I can't see them being a, a competitive team, like a truly competitive team. Travis Kelsey has one and a half tied it, or one and a half touchdowns more, right? If your time's in it, 12 to eight, than Russell right. Wilson. And it's absurd. Russell Wilson is horrendous. The point is, if he's not going to run, if his legs are just shot, whether it's he doesn't feel comfortable running, whether he can't, whether it's business decisions, doesn't want to take any more hits, whatever it is, if he's not running and extending plays, they're done. Because the thing is, they have talent on the Denver Broncos. The whole talk of the town was, if they just get a quarterback, this is a, you know, easy playoff team, potential Super Bowl contender, but they need a quarterback. He's not it. They have talent. Offensive line's not great. It's not the worst in the NFL. They have receivers. Sure, there's been some injuries, but what team does not have injuries? Right. Defense is legitimate. At some point, this falls almost squarely on Russell Wilson. I get it. It's a new head coach. You know, Hackett's not the guy. But right. I think this is mostly Russell Wilson. You're a veteran quarterback. Your teammates are not buying into what you're selling. You saw, what was it, Purcell coming over? I mean, he's a respected defensive player around the NFL, a veteran guy. He ain't happy. If I asked you to say or to give an answer, give a guess, how many yards do you think Russell Wilson has rushed for this year? What would you say? It's played in 10 games. 125. Damn, you're good. 137. Hmm. 137. Rushed for 3.9 yards in attempt as a quarterback. I mean, that's impossible. Like, 137 yards. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you look around. Now, take for an example. So, Derek Carr is not a rusher. He has 77 yards rushing. So, he's like more than half of what Wilson's giving you. Um. You, you look. I'm trying to think of like guys who are just completely, like completely immobile. Well, like, I'm, right, looking Matt, at, I'm looking. I'm looking at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan right now. 
72 yards, right? I mean, like the most immobile guy in the world has like half of your rushing yards. Mahomes is 274, and obviously Mahomes is not not immobile, but he's like doubling you up yardage-wise. Okay, Justin Herbert, who I think most people would say like, it's like borderline mobile, 128 yards. Like you, you just, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything with your legs. And, you know, look, I won't go so far to say I don't think he cares because I think he cares in the sense of, like, you're a professional athlete. You're out there trying to win games. He, and again, this is a vibe thing. He gives off the impression that he is just above it, beyond it. Like, Purcell's screaming at him on the sideline, and he never looks at Mike Purcell. He's just, like, bopping his head, looking forward. Bro, it's okay to, like, get heated sometimes. You stink. You should be heated. You're the only person in Denver who's not heated. You know, and then we, like, I, I'll tell you, man, and we laughed about it on the pod when it happened. When they lost, what what game was it? Was it that Colts game on that Thursday night when he came up to the podium after the game and it was like, Broncos country, let's ride, and walked away. I was like, this is done. This is over. This is over. Any player who sees it, and, it's, and every player is going to see that, is done with this guy. I don't think they fix this, man. I know they're going to get rid of Hackett. They're going to bring in somebody else. By the way, today is the deadline to flex out that Broncos-Chiefs game. Um, so far, it has not been flexed. Has has any fan base ever rooted harder for a game to get flexed out of prime time? <laughs> like, the Chiefs are going to want to do unspeakable things to them in their own building on national television. Like, if they're... Mm. I don't think Hackett's getting fired for the end of the year, but let me tell you, if there's one scenario where it happens... It's the Chiefs going in there and beating them like 45 to nothing on national television. And if they can do it, boy, they're going to do it. They're going to lay it on them in every conceivable fashion. I'm, I'm fascinated to see if that game gets moved. Broncos have not beat Kansas City since 2015. No. It could go a whole decade. If this continues the way Russell Wilson and Denver are, are looking right now, and this was supposed to be maybe one of the better years because he's, he's younger – Right. right. I don't know how much better it's getting with an aging Russell Wilson. It legitimately is not inconceivable to think the Broncos could go a decade without beating Kansas City. And they play twice a year. That is unheard of. Honestly, I think the only time it's ever happened, and I, I'd have to double check myself, the Dolphins skunked the Bills for the entire entirety of the 70s. I'm pretty sure it's the only time that has ever happened. Because the Niners almost did it to the Rams in the 90s, but then the Rams won the Super Bowl in the 99 season. I, it's it's incredible. Like I, the the Broncos actually almost beat them last year in that in that meaningless game at the end of the year, and then and then Melvin Ingram wrecked uh, Melvin Gordon, who's now a Chief, by the way. Um, that, that I do not understand that signing at all. No, um, he's just a fumble waiting to happen. But yeah, and then Nick Bolton ran it back and almost like ran out of gas to ten yard line. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, man, it's 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 crazy. It is crazy how bad Denver has been this year. Let's look into the future. Number four, will the NFC East get four playoff teams? No, I don't think so. But right now they're all in. Like right now they're all in as, as we sit here. Washington and the Giants still have to play twice. Um, the Giants also have to play the Eagles twice. I think they'll just... I think the Giants are going to make it or break it one way. Like, how are those games shake? I think it's going to be the Giants or the Commanders who get in. I don't think they'll both get in. 
And I and I thought the Giants would get in, but that loss to the Lions is a killer. That's a brutal loss. Um, they play Washington this week. They got to win. They've got to find a way to win that game. I think Seattle is going to be the other wild card team. So I think you're going to get two teams that are wild cards out of the East and one out of the West. And that's what it comes down to. It's either Seattle catching Washington right. or the Giants. How much do you believe in Geno Smith and Seattle continuously doing what they've done? They've slowed down a little bit, right? It's not been – you're not here as much. Geno Smith ain't right back yet. Yeah, it's starting to really slow down. He's, he's got the pen in his hand. Yeah, he's got he's got the pen. It's, it's a quill. Right it, it's a quill. You know, yeah. But Washington's starting to look pretty good. There's talent on that team. They rally around Heineke, the Giants you mentioned. That was a brutal loss to Detroit. Daniel Jones, though, I still think is showing enough to believe that he could be a future quarterback for the Giants, right? I don't think he's he's done enough to say you don't ever upgrade that position, but I think he's done enough to say he's earned the spot for at least next year. Um, but, yeah, I think three teams make it. I don't think all four. There's too much head-to-head going on. Uh, I will go as far as to say, yeah, I, I would I would actively be looking to upgrade Daniel Jones. He's been better this year, but I, I don't believe he can make big plays. That's my problem with him. He's, he's just not a big play guy. Um, but he has limited his turnovers for the most part this season. And so give him all the credit in the world there. Um, so let's, I'm sorry, I, I'm reading this is look this, this podcast, we've, we've been serious long enough. We can go off the rails here for a second. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> well, Mark Stein, who's of course a renowned NBA reporter forever. Um, he's, tweeting out that this is apparently a real thing. Veteran referee Tony Brothers was forced to miss one game assignment after Dallas's Spencer Dinwiddie said Brothers referred to him as, as quote, a bitch-ass motherfucker. <laughs> it's believed no discipline was formally announced because it was not a suspension without pay. That is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard in my life. That's awesome. Imagine Carl Sheffers saying that to Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) That's that's amazing. That's so funny that an official said that to a player. Like, I, I I just, I'm picturing in my head, like how that, like how Dimwitty must make what? Who the hell just called me that? That's so funny. Oh, my God. There's there's a video, and I, I don't know where the hell it is, but it's like it's of an NBA official, like an old-school NBA official, like the 80s, early 90s, just screaming at players and coaches, like just being aggressive, like, you know, I, I, you know I, I, hey, get get the hell out of that guy. You know, just like, like screaming <laughs> at a coach, and then like the coach screamed back, and I'm like, oh, give me that shit. You know, like – you just never get that now. You never get that anymore. Like, whereas back then, you know, like what the hell? Like coaches were smoking on the sidelines and, and, and you know, players, you basically could kill somebody underneath the basket. And it's like, it was, a, it was a common foul. Now, I mean, geez, forget it. Some guy gets touched, goes down, holding one eye. He's, he's got, he's holding his hamstring with the other hand. He's get, you know, he's screaming. 
everybody's got it. It's like chaos is out there. Everybody's on one knee. It's like a prayer circle around the guy. (laughs) And then Tony Brothers comes out and says, get up, you bitch-ass motherfucker. That's right. (laughs) Tony Brothers should be put in the Hall of Fame immediately. Like, I don't even know if an official's in the Hall of Fame in basketball. Put him right in. Put him right in the Hall of Fame. He's been doing it a long time, too. Oh, he, oh, Tony he, brother, he, he just goes, you know what? I've seen enough flopping. I'm done with it. I'm calling you out. Him and Scott Foster with Chris Paul. Yes. What a right. The, the fact that Scott Foster, you know he works on his technical uh, foul calls, like in the mirror before games, because he does the Chris Paul, the little T, the, the little this, That's the best, but not the full on, you know, give him. There's something so much more demeaning to a point guard, just a little, little T. <laughs> I, I enjoy, not that I know a lot of basketball officials off the top of my head, but you know, Dick Bavetta, who just, I felt like was 100 years old when I was a kid. And yet, it's like, I don't know if he's still calling games. I think he, I think he retired recently. But like, Dick Bavetta was just, him and Tim Duncan, like it got to a point where it was like a, a guaranteed technical foul at some point in the time in the game. I love it. I think it's just it's so funny when you get these games. But basketball is also good because you get the like it's it's like who's at home tonight? Oh, they're about to shoot 40 free throws. Okay. <laughs> like as a kid, I always remember the Knicks would play the Pacers and like those games are so physical, there's always gonna be a million fouls anyway. But you always knew if the game was a Master Square Garden, like, all right, we're starting out with like an eight point advantage here. Because we're getting more free throws, but then the she- the scene would shift to Market Square Arena. Big. Oh, Reggie Miller's getting to the line. Reggie's Big. getting his. <laughs> Reggie's about to shoot eighteen free throws tonight, boys. So we got to bake that into the plan. Like you just knew, like they're going to get calls. Ewing's going to be on the bench within three minutes of the game starting. Like it's just you've got to bake it in. Know that it's going to be a heavy night for Herb Williams and Anthony Mason because Pat's going to the bench. And he's going to have three fouls with about eight minutes to go in the second quarter. Or he's going to have to navigate this. It, imagine if it was like that in football or you knew, like, whoever the home team was. Like, imagine what the fight would be for the one seed then. Like, oh, any time yeah. the ball went downfield and it wasn't caught, it's a flag, just pass interference, calling it on, and this place is roaring with approval. Like, yeah, basketball's unlike anything else. Well, because NFL, you can't do that. Basketball, first off, 82 games. Right. Not only that, you know, one play should not cost the rest of the game. NFL, one bad PI, one bad play right. late, call late, it's over. You're not getting a – it's not switching possessions every single 24 seconds at a minimum. Yeah, that ain't happening. Uh, by the way, Austin Crozier probably getting to the line a lot back then, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of other old Indiana Pacers players. Austin oh, Crozier. I don't think Brad Miller. Outside. Brad Miller. I don't think. Nah, was he was then. after. It was like Austin Crozier is at the very end of it. But it was like you know Travis <laughs> Best. When did Jamal Tinsley come in? He was later. He was in yeah. the 2000s. The Knicks were garbage by then. The Knicks had to deal with like Smiths and the Davis brothers and Aaron McKee. <laughs> And Jalen Rose and Travis Best and Sam Perkins and Chris Mullen and Reggie Miller. And let me tell you, I hated every one of them. Every <laughs> single one of them. Hated them. Hated every single one of them with a passion. Mark Jackson, Scrome, all of them. All of them. <laughs> hated them. Got to one time t- tell Reggie Miller that I hated him, and his response actually made me like him. Like, I met him at a Turner 
March Madness thing, and I very unprofessionally, like he was just hanging out in the lobby, and I happened to just, I was like, hey, you know, listen, I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I really hated you. And I was, I was in like my early 20s. And he was like, you a, are you, you're a Knicks fan? Because we were in New York, we're in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. He's like, how'd, uh, how'd that game five feel? How'd that fourth quarter feel? I was like, <laughs> it didn't feel good. <laughs> I was like, but we still won the series. He's like, you did. But I bet you didn't enjoy that game five. And like, he was so cool about it. I was like, I respect it. He's actually a really cool guy. I've um, always loved Reggie Miller. Again, you know, I've had. Now I actually really, like, I love his commentary. Great dude. But like, oh God, it's a Nick fan. I hated him. I could not have hated anybody more. Um, we're way off topic. But I will tell you, by the way, that that um, wasn't a dinner. It was just like a, a media summit meet and greet thing because they were, they were getting ready for the tournament. That was such a fun time because it was Miller was there, Chris Webber was there, Shaq was there. Um, I mean, all all the like like uh, I mean, Nance was there, Gumble was there, all the announcers. I I, I think Gus Johnson was there, but I can't remember. Ian Eagle was there. Um, <coughs> in fact, so Bill Raftery was there. <laughs> Bill Raftery is absolutely hilarious. And he gets up to the microphone. And if you've never been in the same room as Ian Eagle, I'm not trying to denigrate Ian Eagle, but he's a man of, of a diminutive stature. And Bill Raftery is up at the microphone. And there's, I mean, there's, I don't know, 300 people in the room, 400 people in the room. He is ripping into Ian Eagle's height. Like, <laughs> like relentlessly for a good five minutes. And Ian Eagle, to his credit, great sport, laughing the whole time, like, Raftery's like, I, you know, we're going to bring Ian up here next if we can find him. All this stuff. Like, oh, my God. Like, he's just killing this poor guy. It was funny as hell. I mean, Grant Hill was there. He was great. I mean, it was it was one of the – of all, like, those media things, probably been the most enjoyable I ever did. But, um, yeah, Reggie Miller. Got to give it mm. to him, man. Got to give it to him. Also, shout out Greg Gumbel. Hilarious. One of the nicest people you can ever meet. I was, I was just about to move to Chicago for my job at Fanside, and he's from Chicago. And he sat down with me un, like, unprovoked for 45 minutes. It was like, where are you going to live? You got to go here. You got to go here. And he told me a story about he used to be the host for the NFL on NBC when it was in the, in the 90s, in the AC package. And they, I told I said, as a kid, I used to, I, I very vividly remember the NFL on NBC because, you know, it's a Chiefs fan and everything else. And he's like, man, those are great days. He's like, you remember who the sponsor was? I said, I do, actually. I do. I, it was Domino's Pizza. <laughs> and he's like, it was. And he started laughing. He goes, I'll tell you a funny story. Because we used to, you know, throw down a couple bucks at the desk. Like, who's going to win the games? And he's like, one time we came back from break and there was money all over the desk. He's like, I, we'd forgotten to take the money off the desk. <laughs> He goes, we got a call it's like from our, our boss. It was like, hey, guys, we'd like to keep Domino's as a sponsor. Uh, maybe maybe take all the money off the desk before we come back from break next time. Great story. I But Greg, Greg was awesome. Couldn't have been nicer. Spent so much of his own time to just tell me to, like, you know, what restaurant to go to in, in Lincoln Square. Um, but in any event, so – 
Well, I don't know. Ready Whip is saying we should talk more more basketball. Man might be in the minority. Um, I, I did work for the Sixers. I, I got some some good stories there. <laughs> you worked for the Sixers? Yeah, for three years. By the way, I I, I was behind Rudy Gobert in the pregame meals because oh, the Jazz boy. were in town. If you want to see just how big these dudes are, right. he he's all of seven foot seven two. That dude eats some chicken. Don't get stuck behind Rudy Gobert in the in the lunch line before a pregame meal. Yeah, it's, that's tough. That's tough. That's got to be like an eclipse being behind Rudy Gobert. Well, he's so skinny, though, too. I mean, come on now. Yeah. That guy's he's a skinny, skinny fellow. But seeing a dude who's seven, like, two legitimately, weird experience. Good luck getting on a plane. I feel like, like, because like, I'm 6'2", and I feel like in most walks of life, I'm really, like, tall compared to most people. But it, it would be weird being around NBA players. I'd feel tiny. I feel I felt? I'm 5'10". Okay, right. So you're you're good height, and you would feel even weird around that. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah. I mean, I remember taking a tour when I was a kid at Madison Square Garden, and they brought us in the Knicks locker room, and they showed us, like, I forget who the player was. They're like, you wear a size 21 shoes. And it was <laughs> like, I looked at his shoes, and I was like, that that can't even be real. Like, I wear a size, you know, I, I wear a, a, a 12, and I was like, that is obscene like i could almost do two of my sneakers in that sneaker I, it was just like they talked about how like the doors like higher so these guys don't have to like bend down get out of this it's crazy and then i think about like a guy like we mentioned earlier you mentioned earlier a guy like chris paul who's just getting to the rack over and over and it's like dude, that's impossible what like i am just blown away by the way ready whips is your knicks fan too bro my my sympathies we're in so much pain together um, they're going to play the Pistons tonight and hopefully win that game. God, they stink. Um, all right. We don't have Heisler here today, which you probably figured since we've been riffing. Heisler, I believe, is taking a half day. He's, he's not feeling well. Hopefully, Heisler feels better. Norm, I'd make fun of him, but I'm in no position to make fun of anybody coming <laughs> off of what I've been through the last week. So, I hope he feels better. His week 13 lines to watch. He did He did uh, hand us uh, two bets that he made. And the three lines he likes to watch the most this week: Niners plus three and a half. Or excuse me, Niners laying three and a half. Bengals laying two and a, or getting two and a half because the Chiefs are two and a half point favorites on the road. Vikings a three point favorite over the Jets. His bets for the week, and we can uh, we can I guess either confirm that we're with him or go against the man. Um, Dolphins Niners under forty seven. That's mm. his first bet. So he's essentially saying that the Niners are going to be able to hold that Dolphins offense down and Jimmy G doesn't go crazy. I believe it, but I don't know, man. That that Dolphins defense is just atrocious, and I do want to somewhat buy in to the Miami offense. I know you mentioned it earlier on. The Dolphins past, what, four weeks? They've yeah. gone up against about the four worst defenses in the NFL. But you, st- you still have to give credit where credit's due. They're putting numbers up, and they're making it look easy. With Jeff Wilson Jr., they do have a more balanced offense. I would probably take the over. That's not a ton of points. I mean, it's a good amount, right? But it's not a ton of points. Also, with Elijah Mitchell being out, we'll probably see a good amount more of Christian McCaffrey. Might see some more explosive plays in that instance. I don't know what you say here. I, I should probably stop going against Ben because that dude is right way more than we are. Yep. Listen. You want to go against Heisler when he's sick as a dog? 
He's fighting through hell. It's fine. <laughs> you do it. I'm not going against Heisler. I'm with him. All right, I'll be with him too. Come on. <clears throat> give me uh give me a score of like I don't know, 20 24 to 20, something like that. He also takes another under, like a monster, and takes uh Commanders Giants under 41. I uh I, I am comfortably going to roll with him in this. I actually think this is a very low-scoring game. I think this is like 19 to like 16 or something like that, one way or the yeah. other. Yeah, this one I was a lot more comfortable with. This one I feel like is for sure an under, although it's no fun rooting for the under. I hate it. Life's too short to I root know. for the under. For points. I mean, come on. What am I going to Oh, yeah, throw an interception. Third and two, don't pick that up. It's It's boring. Yeah. Yeah, and that's true. Well, Heisler, he's, he's uh, like I said, a little bit of a monster this week. <laughs> Last week, to update the, the folks out there, we went two and two. So he took the Bears team total under 15 and a half, another under. He hit it. Uh, we uh, came in at 10 points there. Bengals money line, we all like that. Bengals win the game. We took Bucks. We actually had some bad beats here. So the two that we lost – Ravens minus three and a half and Bucks minus three. I mean, those are some bad beats. Could have easily went four and oh, but we didn't. We went two and two. You take it on the chin. Still having a great year. 24, 14, and one against the spread. Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad. By the so, way, I, I'm, I'm done betting by myself because I'm an idiot. I get too greedy. I had a seven-leg parlay. Every single one hit. Keenan Allen. Missed it by one yard. That's a shame. One yard. The final drive. I needed a 17-yard reception. What did he get? 16. What? Uh, Six. What was that a cash for you? Uh, I was like 40 bucks. <laughs> I put like two bucks to win 40. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. Big spender. This won't hit. Everything hits except for freaking Keenan Allen. You know, it's funny when you bet like little increments of like, like, you know, two bucks, five bucks, and you're like, yeah, if I win, cool. If I don't, whatever. I remember, so in college, when I was in college, one of the big things as we get into our little end of the show here, um, I I never have been a, a big gambler. I just, it's not my my thing. Uh, I feel like I'm giving away money. So the only thing I will bet on is the NCAA tournament. And not like a big, I mean, I'll just, I'll do like a handful of pools. Like I just, I enjoy it. Um, in fact, in college, I won once. I won our pool, which is actually at the time, like in college, I felt like I was rich. Uh, I won because Mario Chalmers saved my ass with Kansas basketball. Oh, dude, I'm a Mizzou guy. I know. You just ripped my heart out. It is what it is, man. I came. I was all the way at the end, and it came down for the whole of the building being involved in this ten floors. It was me and my buddy. And it was going to be, if Kansas won, I won. And if Memphis won, he won. And I won. And I actually felt so bad for him because Memphis choked like such dogs. I actually gave him back his money. And then I kept the rest of it. I, I gave him back his, his uh, entry fee. So he broke even. Oh, that dumb bastard. What, what was he going to do? I mean, <laughs> Memphis can't have free throw down the stretch. So he broke even. Other than that, I kept the money and went drinking. Um, but look, in college, I always, I always laugh when I get this because that was kind of like its infancy of like gambling online. You know, we're talking like 06, 07 and poker was really big at the time. Um, and I remember I had a buddy in college who was like legit, like really into poker. 
like one of those guys who played all the time, really, you know. So we're in the dorm hall one night. We're all in the we're all in the same hallway. And all of a sudden, he comes flying out of his room and he's like, You guys gotta get in here. You guys gotta get in here. I'm in the I'm in the last one hundred of whatever tournament this was. And if you won the tournament, if you won, you won like a hundred thousand dollars. Right? Like it was a serious thing. It was, I, I don't know how many thousands of people in this tournament. Now he's in the last 100. So he's playing, he's playing, whatever. They, they, if memory serves me right, it goes for like hours on end. We're way into the night now. It's a Saturday night. He gets to the final table. So he's in like the final, whatever the hell it is, like 10 people. Like, oh my God. Like, he could win 100 grand. At this point, we're like, come on, man, if you win. <laughs> Everybody in here gets 500 bucks, you know, like whatever. Like we're all like, oh, we're pulling for you, man. And I remember at one point, he was probably middle middle of the road in terms of chips left, goes all in and hits it on the river and w- wins the hand. Like we're going crazy. Like he ended up finishing, I think it was like fourth and won like 25 grand. And I remember, man, when that check came to the school, like we were going nuts. I swear to God, look about. I don't even know how that was legal. I really don't. I mean, he was 18, but like, I I feel like New York, you couldn't gamble. I don't know how the hell he, he probably did some offshore thing. Regardless, got the money. We, anytime we went out the rest of the year, we're like, he's paying, he's paying. <laughs> like, here we all are with like $48 in our bank accounts. And he's got a $25,000 job. We were like, and he, he was really good. I mean, I don't ever remember him winning like that again while we were there, but man, we were going, but we must have woke up the whole damn hall. I, it was nuts, man. He went all in with like Ace King and he hit like two pair on the river. It was just good. It was crazy. It was crazy. I, even though we weren't winning money, we felt like we were. It was, it was madness. 25K with college at drinks. Years yeah, at 18 years old. That, that last year while. That last year while. Oh, my God. We were, we were. You got to keep in mind, it's college. Like, going out with 50 bucks, you're rich. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, 20 bucks, you're having a good night. He, 25 grand. We were going crazy. Um, Any event. All right. So, we've been all over the place. That's what happens when Heisler's not here. You got to fill time. We're having fun with it. Um, So, let's talk about what you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Almost a stabbing in Indiana? Yeah, a hammered guy walked into a bar with a Budweiser, a gun, and a knife. No, this is not a setup for a joke. This is Southern Indiana Bar. Right. So I'm sitting at a table. We're at watch some high school basketball. My older cousins, they're about 40. They have some kids. So her, her one of their daughters, her boyfriend was playing varsity game. It was actually fun. High school basketball in Indiana. It's pretty crazy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, everyone's packed in there. It was a good time. So we go out to the one restaurant in this small town afterwards. Arby's. No, 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 no. No, this is a, a local establishment drinking oh. hole. Uh, okay. Don't worry, though. It's a, it's a 21 plus on one side and a family side on the other that's separated yeah. by a pony wall. It's a pony wall that separates it. Yeah, it's just a pony wall. Uh, not only that, we were on the family side, okay? It's good of you. It's wholesome of you. My older cousin, who's about 40, Looks over at me, points to the guys next to him, because he knew the guys from high school. Goes, remind me to tell you a story about those two guys from high school. They were a little bit of a character. They got into some, some trouble. I'll tell you some stories about them later. 
So then he's talking to me about how some of his stories in high school, he had to get out of a biker bar, knocked a dude out, was running out, kind of just some, you know, typical country talk. Dude walks in with a dagger and a Budweiser, got a gun tucked in his waistband of his jeans. As one does. Dude's about 60. Walks up to the table of the two guys my cousin said to look out for. One of the guys sitting down goes, we don't want any trouble. Dude with a dagger goes, it's too late for that. Knife's the guy. This is the table right next to us. Like, we can't move. We're all in here. We're packed in like sardines, sitting down, eating food, drinking yingling. Gets his wrist. My cousin just jumps up in the middle of his story about how he was kicking some dude's ass in high school, some biker guy, throws the guy out of the bar, puts his foot there. The guy runs away. And we're sitting there like, dude, you just saved the day. What the hell? He had a dagger. He goes, that guy had a dagger? He had no idea the guy had a gun, a knife, anything. Just threw the guy out. So that was our Thanksgiving. Wow. That's yeah. uh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. I, I got nothing on that. People are crazy, man. Oh, dude. It, it's People wild. Are, you, know, you know, it's like, not that this is quite the same thing, but it's kind of like when you're at a bar, if you've been at enough bars in your life, you can just, you can almost sense when somebody, like, you can sense that person. You know, maybe not a gun, but, like, the person that walks in and either they've they've already been somewhere else and they're, they're already bombed or they're just looking for, for a fight. Like, if you've been in enough bars in your life, you just know that like, that guy emanates, like, just just problems. The only time I can ever think, and again, thankfully, not any kind of a knife or a gun or anything like that, but I was at a bar probably 10 years ago, and I was with a friend of mine, and, and we were there, and she and I were hanging out, and I just had known her for years. It was the it was same kind of a local place. I mean, carpeted floor, right? I sure. mean, just a, like just kind of place you go and you run into half your high school, right? And I went there after work late one night, and I went because I knew the bartender. We're sitting there. I was playing darts and just relaxing. And this guy, he probably probably about 50, just starts hitting on my friend. Like, and it's to a point where it's like, it's pretty graphic. And you're like, all right, man, listen, listen. I know you're drunk. I get it. She's being a good sport about it, but she's really uncomfortable. Like, just just leave it alone. So he looks at me and he's like, are you, what are you, a boyfriend or something? And of course I wasn't, uh, but I, you know, like, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, actually I am. Like, why don't you just why don't you leave it alone? All right, all right, all right. So he like walks away. He's hanging out with his other buddy who's the same age as him or about that. I go to go to the bathroom. It's one of those things. If you've never felt this, you, I can't explain it to you. I just knew. I'm like, this guy's going to come to the bathroom. I know this is coming. Like this guy is bombed and he's angry and like i know this guy's gonna come in here so he walks sure enough like i'm at the urinal doing what what you know god intends you to do at a urinal and this guy walks in he's like you want to fucking fight over man i was like uh no not particularly (laughs) i i was like first i'd really like to finish what i'm doing and then we can talk about this and his buddy walks in and his buddy's like trying to calm him down and i'm like this is great I am going to fight this guy. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get freaking pissed all over me because I've got to, I'm trying to like you know finish up what I'm doing here. And 
guys screaming out, I'll kick your ass. I'll fight you for I'm like, and all I could think, even in this moment, and the guy's probably about my size. I'm like, all right, this guy should be a pretty decent fight. All I could think was, like, this is, this is like what romantic movies are made out of. Except <laughs> this is real life, and we're in backwards New York, and I'm going to have to fight this asshole because he's trying to date somebody who's 30 years younger than him. Like, he really thinks if he beats me up, he's walking out of here with this girl. Yeah, like, and she's going to be like, oh, my gosh, right, like, my hero. <laughs> God is my witness. A buddy of mine from high school, who I, to this day I'm friends with, walks in and sees this whole thing going on, and is like, and he's not a, not a big guy, not a fighter. I don't think he's ever gotten into a fight in his life. Not not that I'm a fighter either, but I'm in two of them. And he walks, he's like, "Hey, hey, get the fuck out of here! Kick your ass!" So like, totally spooks the guy, and the guy like looks and he's thinking about it, and then like he just he's like, "All right, all right, you know what?" And he stumbles out. I was like, "Hey man, thanks. That was that was great because I, I didn't have my like pants buckled yet, so I appreciate <laughs> that." He's like, "Who the hell was that?" I'm like, well, I don't know who the hell it is, man. Yeah, we get out there twenty minutes later. I get a drink at the bar. It's from the guy. He's like, "I'm really drunk, man. I'm really sorry. I'm a mess." <laughs> I got to go home. I, I got to get the hell out of here. I told my friend, I'm like, look, I'll drive you home. I, we got we to get the hell out of here. I'm like, I, we, this is, I'm like, I don't want this guy's beer. The funny thing was, I didn't, I didn't think I drank at one beer that night. I was just hanging out playing darts. And I was like, if I had, like, I'm thankful it wasn't one of those nights you had like six in you. Because then you're like, you're <laughs> much day. more apt. Like, oh, All right, yeah. man, you want to go? You know, like, what a train wreck. I'll play you darts for her, man. I'll That's play right. you darts for her. The whole thing, like, I remember the next morning, I was just like, what a, what a mess. Like, that dude, like, he really thought to himself, like, if I, if I beat this guy up in the bathroom, I'm walking out of here, and I'm, 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 I'm getting the girl. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're not, actually. But it, it is amazing how many people show up. Although, your guy in Southern Indiana showed up with multiple weapons. Yeah. Which is ready to party, ready to go at a moment's notice. And still last. I think it's still lost. I think the issue was you can't walk in with a beer in one hand. It really, it doesn't help your, your game. No, no. I mean, I, I'm just amazed at how many people, like in college, it's a little different. Not that it's not, not weapons, but like you expect people to be drunken morons in college. That kind of comes with the territory of college. What, we can close on this. What age do you think you get to where you're like, all right, you go from being like, you're an embarrassment, but you're kind of a socially acceptable embarrassment because you're 19 to like, you're just an embarrassment and it needs to stop and it's time for an intervention. Like what, what age is the cutoff for that? About 25. I'm That's to, exactly the age I was going to say. You get to about 25. After that, you're like, all right, come on, pal. You've yeah. been here before. You know better. You probably have a legitimate job at this point. You're an adult. You know, first couple of years out of college, too, you're like, you're still trying to figure things out. You know, maybe you go to a, a new city. You're trying to meet some friends. You get 25. You're an adult. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think I'm think i 100%. That's the exact age I was going to say, man. I think at some point you do reach. You're just like, look, man, maybe you just go home and sleep that one off. Instead of having your ninth corona, and you're like, I could, I could take that guy at the bar. Like, nah, first of all, you probably can't. Second of all, nobody cares if you can take that guy at the bar. Go home. Go home. Wait a minute. But what about you and I? Do we have like a 
a certain cutoff for the weekend you're in Kansas City? Is there going to be a certain like, all right, 25 and under, unless you're in Kansas City on the weekend of December 9th to the 11th? I'm, I'll tell you right now, I, can, I can't guarantee you a lot in life. I can guarantee you one thing. I'm not, I'm not fighting anybody at a bar, okay? I, I don't care. I don't care. If you hit me, I'm just looking to sue at this point. I'm not, again, I, I'm not fighting anybody. Man, my fight days are over. First of all, I was never fired to begin with. I, I think I, in, in all my years, two or three fights in my life, and, and we're talking all my years. Like, I, to, I, I, like, I always just felt like you had to be such an idiot to fight somebody unless there's a really good reason. Like, yeah. unless somebody you know, hit your girlfriend or something or – you know, somebody somebody puts you in a spot where, like, words are just not going to solve that problem. Like, I would 10 times out of 10 just walk away from you and be like, look, bro, you're a dope. Like, I'm not, I'm not going into the drunk tank because you needed to try to fight somebody, you know. Or, like, or like let's face it. If you're, you know, my age, you're 34 years old, and you're getting into a fight at the bar, it's almost like a cry for attention yeah. more than it is anything else. You know, like... Because, like, how many things are really making you that furious that you're like, I need to fight this person over this Michelob, right? Like, how many things are there? I feel like you're at that point, you're maybe, like, sad and just, like, perpetually single. And you're like, you know what? I need the attention that I don't typically get. So I'm going to brawl with somebody at the bar, and I'm going to show off what a badass I am. When in reality, everybody at that bar is like, look at this fucking guy. Like, I feel like the two you are at that point. (laughs) So you're saying you're not going to fight anyone? No. Okay. Okay. Don't worry. I'll I'll put you into some precarious situations (laughs) then, just for you. Just for you. Thank you. I'm five. Dude, look at me. I'm 5'10 wearing a Patagonia vest. You think I'm fighting anyone? No. Listen, anyone listening to this (laughs) in Kansas City, if you see Sterling and I in a brawl with somebody at a bar, know that something horrible has happened. <laughs> like, like we're fighting for our lives. Yeah. Okay, please help there's, us. <laughs> there's no other reason I'm throwing hands with anybody. Like, you could come up to me and say anything about me, my family. I don't care, man. Like, I whatever you got to say, that's fine. Just keep the beers coming. I, I don't care. Um, but it's. Listen, I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there. I'm glad that apparently, knock on wood, here the flu is uh, behind me or as close to behind me as it's going to be. Um, I can't wait to get out there and just eat a ton of barbecue, and then we can go out to the bar and, uh, you know, look. I'll tell you right now, one thing I'm not doing. I'm not visiting my college ways of having like eight rolling rocks. Okay, I'm gonna go out and have some decent beer and enjoy myself, um, and we're gonna see how far this per diem stretches for fan sided. I'm guessing not as far as I'm looking to stretch it. But we're going to find out. I'm going to you know, send the old expense report in and uh, see what gets approved. And uh, Verderim's going to be drinking a lot more Rumplements shots than he expects. Oh, my God. I'm not touching that. This was the Stacking the Box podcast for Matt Verderam. I am Sterling Holmes. If you guys could give us a review, we'd really, really appreciate it. Hit the like button. Subscribe. It means the world to us. Thank you guys who all commented. It does help us out a lot. Until next time, we are out. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.